Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. My voice is a little off track this morning. We're getting there, right? We're getting there. Thank you so much, everybody. This is Harriet Kamek with down to earth. It's a show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And this morning, we're going to talk about an issue that we find that matters and that one that rings close to home. And of course, we're in the digital age. So what do we do? We play with our phones while we are on air, right? <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Everybody plays with their phones. So here I am. I'm no different, right? So we're going to talk about alcohol-related deaths among women that are seemingly on the rise. And it's kind of crazy, but it's true, and shockingly true all at the same time. I was very uh, troubled, I should say, when I read the story and found that over a two-decade period that women uh, have been found to die of uh, alcohol-related deaths quite shocking. So we all need to go look out for our sisters, our mothers, our friends, our BFFs, our co-workers. It seems that women are drinking more and because it's become more socially acceptable naturally, then women are trying to prove or women are proving that they can drink as much as a man. So they're trying to match a man drink for drink, but it's manifesting in a different way. So we're going to talk about that. But uh, how many of you have watched the Netflix drama or the Netflix documentary on Aaron Hernandez? We're going to do a show on that next week. Uh, it's, it talks about Aaron Hernandez. Remember the former player for the New, New England Patriots, whom I certainly hope do not go to the Super Bowl this week, this year. Okay. And uh, Aaron, uh, committed suicide while in jail because he had been found guilty of murdering someone. And so the documentary, I guess, is surrounding what caused him to kill people. I don't know. It's something I suggest we all go watch because it's pretending that traumatic brain injury was the cause of him uh, committing murder. All these murderers out there, we're trying to understand why people kill people. Some people kill people just because they like to. Some people kill people because they feel powerful, right? Or they hate people. But it's something to watch, and it's a talking point. So we're going to talk about it uh, next week. As an aficionado of football, I've been watching football for a long, long time. I mean, Sundays were reverent in my home for NFL football during the season. It's the shortest game season ever, but hey, it is what it is. I can't complain, right? So we're going to talk about that next week. And of course, before I get into my topic today, I wanted to, sound like I'm echoing, I wanted to uh, bring to your attention the fact that as a viewer of our podcast and as a listener, I want to invite you to become a subscriber. Go to my page on Anchor FM slash Harriet Kamek, and it will give you a link that says support this podcast. We're a listener-supported podcast, which means that you support us, and your monthly subscription for 99 cents keeps us going, right? It keeps us going, helps us to pay all our internet bills, and helps us to continue to uh, advertise across the, 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 the portal, right? So go to my page on Anchor FM. I do need your support, and I thank you in advance. I also invite you to share this podcast with others. Once you like it, if you click on like, leave a review. I'm interested in hearing what you have to say. Leave a review on Spotify, on Google. A lot of people do listen to us on Google from around the world. And I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners from around the world. How about that? Just give a shout out to the folks in Turkey, Bangladesh, (laughs) Syria, 
uh, Spain, Sri Lanka. <laughs> I'm surprised. Folks in the UK, Canada, of course, and of course, the United States. Thank you to everyone, people in South Africa, Namibia, Switzerland. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for all of you who listen to us around the world. I am so very grateful that of all the podcasts that are on the medium today, you stop by to listen to what we have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So now I need your help. So go to my page, Anchor FM slash Harriet Kamak, H-A-R-I-E-T-C-A-M-M-O-C-K, and click on support this podcast. Whatever you choose to do, there are a variety of ways to support it. It starts at only 99 cents, and everybody can buy 90, can support 99 cents, right? It starts right there. It helps us to keep going. Thank you so very much. And the other thing I wanted to remind you of, I am an author. My books are available on Amazon.com as well as uh, BarnesandNoble.com, and you can find me on Google. If you have a, if you have a phone today, open your phone to Google and drop my name in your search engine, and the first thing that pops up will be a Google page which shows that I'm an author, and it gives you a link to where my books are sold. Right, My three books are out. You can expect my fourth book, After the Fire, to be out in a few months. Right, So go ahead and support us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right, <laughs> So I'm grateful for all the support over the years, for all the things that you have done. And I am so very grateful and thrilled that we are here. Yesterday, we talked a lot about, uh, Monday, we talked about debtors' prisons and Yesterday, we talked about working-class Americans dying deaths of despair, and the pullback from that was something else. Uh, I guess a lot of people either related to it or didn't want to accept that they could relate to it, but it is what it is. And today, I don't know how you feel, but thank you for uh, consistently being my viewers. I want to thank you so much. I do appreciate you taking the time out. But... Alcohol-related deaths are on the rise among women. In a study that was done recently, and after careful review of death certificates over two decades, it was revealed that women, deaths from alcohol-related diseases among women increased by 85% between 1999 and 2017. That's remarkable. Between 1999 and 2017, deaths from alcohol among women increased 85%. We're not talking about 5% or 15%, which would have been remarkable, but 85%. That means more women sat down and put one back and put one back. And it's a social commentary on where our society is. It tells us clearly that as a society, we believe that women... We women believe that we are liberated and that we can do whatever we want to do, that we can become just like men, apparently, and that we can do whatever men do. The problem is that there is a direct health situation that we overlooked. We forgot to to realize and internalize that men's bodies probably are built to handle alcohol where ours are not. In some of the death certificates, there are also suggesting the, the, the researchers are also suggesting that the number could be increased simply based on the fact that on a death certificate where it says someone died from a fall because of a broken hip, it might not say that the reason they fell in the first place was because they were drunk. It might not say in the first place that if someone died in a car accident, it might say they died from an, a, a brain injury or broken parts of their body but it might not say that drinking was the cause why they had the accident. It might not say that's the reason why they tumbled down a flight of stairs, or it might not even say that the reason they overdosed on pills, they couldn't match their medication was because they were drunk and could not read or were, were not coherent or conscious enough to know how many pills they were supposed to take. This is incredible. And it's a, it's a call to action for women. It's a call to action for men to look for women. Because nowadays, 
they're trying to tell us that we can do anything a man does. And I've always been of the belief that physically, I cannot do what a man does. I'm not that strong. I cannot lift as much as a man does. I'm, if, if, there was, if there were a war, right, and women were called into combat, the first thing I want to know is where am I going to pee? Because I don't stand to pee. And I'm going to get sweaty and I need a shower. <laughs> and I can't live like that. And what about when women have periods? So there are some things that the women's movement and the women and feminist movement forgot to take into consideration. It's just like in the military, right? You were so anxious for women to be taken equally. We forgot that we were to spend time on the issues that matter. The issues that matter is when we are qualified for the job, then we should be given the job based on qualification. But what we forgot to take into consideration is that if women go in combat, we have tissues, we have boobs, we have hair to worry about, right? Are we all going to just cut our hair off, right? And then we have periods. So how are you going to have a period while you're out in combat for days when you're out hidden somewhere? You're going to take a pill so you don't have a period for months? I just want to know. There's something we didn't take into consideration. This is why recently when there was, we thought there was going to be a world war, there were so many jokes on Twitter circulating about women and women just suddenly saying, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I stay home and take care of the kids. I don't have anything to say. <laughs> I don't want to be in a war. Because suddenly the reality is, who wants that? I want to wear makeup every day. Can I put my makeup on before combat starts? There's some things we did not take into consideration. And one of them is proving this, this idea that is proposed and it's propagated across media in, situ, in, in comedies and in movies and on films perpetuated by the Hollywood elite and the Hollywood establishment is that a woman can drink. So in every, every film, a woman is always drinking. It seems to me that women drink all day, every day. So now it's accepted as a norm. It's not unusual to go out for lunch and women are drinking wine or having a drink during lunchtime. I, initially, I used to be so shocked, and then I stopped being shocked. You see it in film all the time. As soon as she gets home, she pours herself a glass of wine. They romanticize it to make it seem like a glass of wine is one of the ways in which you can relax. But that builds alcoholism. It builds an addiction. And now here we are, two decades later, 85%. The increase of alcohol-related deaths has gone up 85% since 1999. And I dare say it could be more because the record might not reflect that as a result of taking a drink, she overdosed on pills. It is alarming. You know what was even alarming is that 10th grade girls are drinking as much as 10th grade boys. Are you hearing me? 10th grade girls are drinking just as much as 10th grade boys because it seems like these kids grew up watching women on TV and watching their moms and grandma drink, and it was okay. Women go out and have happy hour, and they meet a colleague, a client, a friend, and have a drink. I'm the, the one who is drinking water, club soda, or having a cup of tea because I don't drink. Because I never thought, I could never drink anyway, because uh, most alcohol to me just tastes like tastes like rubbing alcohol. So it's not pleasurable. I could not derive pleasure from something that I knew was going to be inherently bad for me. Maybe women thought that drinking proved that they were just as equal to a man. You see it in situation comedies and comedies all the time on TV. There she is having drink for drink. He has a drink. She has a drink. How many times have you seen women just take a shot of tequila or take a shot of a margarita like it's nothing all the time. And we're getting drunk and drunker that is leading to our death. It causes severe health effects. And I'm going to go into that just a minute and tell you exactly what kind of uh, deaths are resulting from it. Check this out. A review of death certificates over two decades re- revealed acute overdose chronic use in combination with other drugs contributes to alcohol-related deaths. This is going to shock you. 
You ready for this one? 18,072 women died from alcohol in 2017, according to death certificates, compared to 7,662 in 1999. I'm just going to say it one more time so we get it. So when you go out and you see your girlfriend, your wife, your ex-wife, your baby mama, your cousin, your sister, Pookie, Shuki, Ray Ray, and all of our jacked up relatives, including the ones who cook meth in trailers all over the place, right? When you see them drinking, think about this. 18,072 women died from alcohol in 2017. You know, nobody talks about it because it's embarrassing. So nobody's going to say that what killed mom or my aunt or what killed uh, my relative is alcohol. Nobody's going to talk about it. Alcohol harms women more than men involving heart health and some cancers. So all of us have been wondering where all this cancer stuff is coming from. Now you know. Right? And here's the thing. Alcohol poisoning kills six Americans per day. So they're not making this up. They're not saying that this is not something that doesn't happen. They're saying this is something that happens. If alcohol poisoning kills six Americans per day, what does that tell all of us? Right? That tells us that we have a problem. We have a big problem, and it's called alcohol. It's like the barbarian at the gate. Women wake up. We've got a problem. The problem we have is that we're drinking as if we're men, and we're drinking as if there are no consequences. It's almost as if your body is taking in alcohol and there is no consequence. It's just liquid, and I can. it's going to go away, I'm going to pee it out, and it's just going to disappear. And that's what we're telling ourselves, and that's not true. There are consequences to drinking. Ladies, put the wine glass down. Stop drinking those shots of tequila. Stop it. And for all you young women who think that I'm meeting a friend for a drink, quit. You're not a man. Quit. You don't need to do that. Can we just say it? If nobody else is telling you, I'm just going to say Stop it. Stop trying to be so liberated that we liberate ourselves to where we're killing ourselves. It's not necessary. We have already made great strides. We still have a long way to go. The areas that we still need to win in on gender equality, the areas we still need to win in is, is, is equal pay. If we can get equal pay, then I, you don't need to go have a drink. You don't need to go have a drink that's going to kill you. Can we just be paid? If I'm still being paid six to two cents for every dollar that a man makes, I get paid six to two cents, he gets a dollar, we still have the problem. That's the problem. So let us correctly identify what the problems are and not try to cover it by going to have a drink. I don't drink. Recently, someone invited me out for a drink, and I said, you know, I'm a preacher. I don't drink. And he said, well, it's just a social thing to do and so on. I said, I don't drink. We can meet if you want, and I can have a cup of tea, but I do not drink. So I don't go to places. I don't go to bars, right? I don't go to places where alcohol is the, is the thing that they sell. I'm not that kind of, I just don't. It's just something, I don't know people, I just don't. I am terrified of taking stuff and substances into my body that is going to cause me irreparable harm. And I think we need to look at alcohol as harmful. The statistics are that six Americans per day are dying from alcohol poisoning. That is something to think about. So what we have created, what has become a social norm, is that women think it's okay to just have drink for drink with a man. So you go out and you drink and a man is having a drink and you are having one too. No, 
And and here's the thing, it's it's so socially it's almost as if someone like me, I'm an anomaly because I don't drink. And I've been out with groups of women and they're all drinking and I don't. And they look at you as if what's wrong with you? You are not with this generation. No, I don't want to get sick. There are enough toxins in the atmosphere. There's enough stuff in the food I eat. I really don't need to take any more poisoning. Thank you very much. But I also think that drinking alcohol impairs me. So if I can't drive, right, and if I can't function normally, I think that's my problem. So if it's going to impair me or make me not act the way that I want to act, that's really where the issue lies for me. And so our culture, our socialized culture has socialized us to believe that it's okay to have a drink after work. It's okay to have a drink while you're relaxing. Do you know that sexual assault increases, the likelihood of sexual assault increases when alcohol is present? Because what you hear happen all the time, I had a drink and I don't remember what happened. So they literally are waiting for you to have a drink because then they think you're going to be drunk and you won't remember that he took advantage of you when you were trying to say no. You couldn't consent. They had to literally pass laws to say if someone is drunk, they can't consent to sexual activity. And we do this over and over. We see hordes of young women teetotaling out of a bar, like they're teetotaling out of a bar, like they're just tittering over the edge. If I ever see one of my daughters doing that, I'm going to slap her silly. Slap some sense back into her. Yes, I will. Why would you drink to the extent that you become so impaired that you don't know if you got into an Uber or not? You, you literally are going to trust someone to take you home? Drink in the comfort of your home. This is the problem. This is what it is. The, the study that I read, the research that was done, took into consideration that a lot of these could be baby boomers, right, who are drinking more because they're alone, they could be lonely. doesn't matter. They could be generation Xers who are drinking. Millennials might are more into their health, so maybe they will abstain a little bit, but they also drank in college. And the thing about it is, is because it's socially acceptable. So we kind of are telling the rest of us and telling the, the, the everybody else that it's okay for you to have a drink. As far as I'm concerned, one glass of wine is enough to knock anybody out. So you shouldn't get behind the wheel. But then it becomes a lifestyle. I remember when my daughter went to college, all her friends were drinking wine. They used to get together to drink wine. And I used to say, why? Right? And I used to say to her that if you're not careful, it becomes a habit. And before you know it, you leave college, you graduate, and you start working, and you find yourself always drinking to cope. Oh, it's just going to, I just need a drink to just help me cope with it. Before you know it, it becomes a lifelong habit that you can't break. Alcohol is related to heart health and some cancers in women. In women. But what about the woman who has a drink, gets knocked out, her blood pressure is so high, she ends up with a stroke, she lives alone, and nobody has heard from her for two or three days. Check on your people, right? Check on your peeps, people. Find out where they are. Go check on your peeps. Go watch mama and watch grandma reach out to people. Talk to people. Tell them, put the bottle down. Come on, put the bottle down. Put that bottle down. Put the shot glass down. I know in our culture, I I lived with, my ex-husband was an alcoholic, so I know what I'm talking about. I mean, he lived for entertaining his friends. As soon as someone came over, he offered them a drink, even if they didn't want a drink. He was forcing it on them because he wanted an excuse to drink. And so he, we had liquor, like it was going out of style. I mean, he had a Johnny Walker Black uh, thing that was half my height. So he used to buy Johnny Walker Black and Johnny Walker Red whiskey. He explained to me the difference between Hennessy 
And what's the other one? He drank on the Remy Martin. That thing is expensive. I think it's still expensive today. Right? He explained the difference to me. He introduced me to what is Glenfiddich, the Scotch whiskey, and what aged whiskey means. I kid you not. He didn't even drink American whiskey. Oh, he said he didn't drink bourbon from Kentucky. He's like, that stuff don't taste, taste terrible. And I'm like, doesn't always taste bad? So I lived with an alcoholic. He drank so much that the doctors, after he and I got divorced, he called me to tell me the doctors told him if he had one more drink, he would die immediately. His liver would stop functioning. He had to go to an alcohol treatment program to cope with not be not drinking. Are you listening to me? So I know what I'm talking about. He had rage when he didn't drink alcohol because I couldn't handle it. And he used to say, why don't you have a drink with me? He wanted to force me to drink. It just wasn't my thing. It tasted like rubbing alcohol. I couldn't drink, so he stopped. Right? And there are people, a lot of people who live alone, who drink constantly. And my friends, we need to stop it. We need to stop. Ladies, we need to stop drinking. Put the glass down and put the bottle down. Some of you, on a Friday night, you didn't get the date, you're divorced, then you pick up Facebook, or a friend called you and tell you that they see your ex with some new girl. And you go take a bottle and pour yourself a drink sitting in front of the TV. And you then you take the bottle into the bedroom. I have relatives whom I've seen do that. They take a bottle into the bedroom, especially when they get divorced and they have to drop the kids off. She'd take a bottle into the bedroom. And when I finally, when I tried to help, she said, you don't know what this is like. You just go sit down and pray. Yeah. Right? We got to stop the drinking. Put the glass down. Tell your friends, put the glass down. Put the bottle down. As we look at this, it's telling us a lot about our culture. It's telling us about where we are socially and where we are as a civilization. That in an effort to prove that we are as equal to men as possible, we might have crossed the line. We missed the boat. The areas that we should seek equality on Whilst we are seeking those, we're trying to prove it in other areas that are not necessary. Ladies, don't go try to lift up a dump truck. There's just some things. I'm not going to pick up a gun or run into combat. That There are just some things. No. Because I still want to know, how do you pee? When people say they're this and that, I'm like, when you go to pee, how do you do it? Do you stand or do you have to squat? Do you sit when you pee or do you stand? Do you still have to deal with PMS? <laughs> right? And your body acting funny <laughs> at certain times of the month and you can't eat enough chocolate and you gain 10 pounds of water weight? And people call you fat at certain times of the month when it really had nothing to do with anything, but that's just how your body works. We've got to put the the bottle down. Fight the battle where the battles need to be fought. The battle needs to be fought in equal pay for women. The battles need to be fought in recognizing that women should have more access to positions of leadership because we're equally trained and qualified. Our intellect is the same. But there are other areas where the battle doesn't need to be fought is not in the bar. And a lot of women drink because they feel abandoned. Their children have grown up, they're divorced or widowed, and they're alone. So the thing to do to be sociable is to go out and have a drink. And especially in cases where your other partner, where the ex-partner has moved on and you are sitting there, you go drink. People say they drink to cope. It helps to numb the pain that they're feeling. There are other ways to numb that pain. One of them is prayer. One of them is submission. There's, let, let, let's just be clear. There are some things in life that you can't 
do anything but just go through it. You might as well just tell yourself, I better find a better way to cope because this is going to happen. Let's just be clear. You can't control people. There are some people, your ex is going to leave, yeah, and he's going to move on and find some new chick. You can't stop that. You can't do anything about that. Picking up the bottle is not going to help you. You might as well just say, that is just something. I can't control that. Your children will grow up, and they will leave, and they will go somewhere else to live. Okay, it's part of the life cycle. Find something to do. Go volunteer. Go start a nonprofit. Go become something. Find something to do with your time that brings out the positives in you. A lot of these things are coming out of depression. We fall into depression because of aging. Well, fine, your body doesn't work the way that you like, you know, it used to be able to just get up and go. Or you fall into depression because of life changes, such as you lost a job, your income has depleted, you got divorced, you've dropped out of a certain social circle. That's a big one. All of a sudden, the women whom you used to socialize with, Due to divorce, they don't socialize with you anymore. So you feel alienated, and it's kind of like high school, yeah? When everybody's in the cafeteria and the cool girls are sitting at the table and you're not invited, that's how you feel. It brings back that feeling or it makes you feel that, stimulates that kind of feeling. Well, go be something constructive and prove to those idiots that you're better. (laughs) Move on. So what? After, After I got divorced, I became aware that the people whom I knew were all my ex-husband's friends. And they left. People take sides. And again, maybe the women didn't want an attractive woman in their midst around their husbands. Whatever the reasons were, I ended up being alone. I didn't take to the bottle. I didn't drink. I just said, okay, you don't want to talk to me? Keep it stepping. (laughs) I got stuff to do, and I'm going to move on. I never looked back. I never called them. Never had anything to do with them. Stayed away, lived my own life, found a new group of people. Sometimes that's what you have to do, right? Sometimes you get divorced. You find yourself living in the same house, and all you're thinking about is when we were married and the house used to be filled with these people. How about put it on the market and go live in a different house? Move to the other side of town. Join a new gym. Go do yoga. Right? Go hang out with some new different people. Just start making friendships. Say, hey, you want to go have a cup of coffee sometime? I found this new bakery down the street. We can go sit down and check it out. People don't go to the movies anymore because they they do things in the movies like air out there, AR-15. So nobody does that anymore. Or, you know, this drama is on Netflix. We could have a watch party. Have some chips. And instead of having wine, don't even have a wine cooler. Make some lemonade or something. Don't drink. Reduce the drinking. Yeah? I, I, get the, I, 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 I think in a lot of ways, sometimes people are drinking to prove that there's no difference between me and that man. Or if he can go, I've heard some people, some women say, if he can go and hang out, so can I. I remember we had to overcome the stereotype that if a man, uh, you know, has multiple liaisons with, with and multiple sexual partners, if a woman tried to do the same thing, she's called a slut and a, but a man does it and he's just, hey, he's a player. So we had to overcome that, that a woman behaves the way she chooses to. It's her choice. Essentially, it is. If she feels like that's how she copes with being abandoned and left, that's how she copes. You may not like it. I may not like it. I may not agree with it. But it is what it is. That's how she copes. You, don't, you will never know what it is like to be someone else until you walk in their shoes. And a lot And a lot of women, if you look at society today, there are fewer men than there are women. So women are finding themselves, wow, can't find a partner. I'm alone. What do I do? They go home to their apartment, play with their cat or their dog. And you, especially in midlife, 
right? Especially after 40 and 45, the kids have left. So you don't have the PTA and the soccer practice and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes I wonder what happens to stay-at-home mothers after the kids have gone to college. What is your exit strategy? After the kids have gone, are you just going to sit there and wilt away? Right? Are you just going to, or are you just going to sit there and drink yourself into death? Have a life. Invest in yourself. When the kids are gone to school, find something to do, even if you don't have to work. Right? Work on something that will keep you engaged so your sense of satisfaction and fulfillment is not derived from, your, from, from, from drinking. A lot of people drink, not just to numb the pain out, but because it gives them a feeling. You don't need that. You don't need, you don't need any kind of external stimuli. You need to get a high off life. Have a list of accomplishments. When you go to bed at night, you run down the list of things that you needed to do for that day. And you make plans for tomorrow. What am I going to do tomorrow? Hey, do you see what I'm saying? What, what is it that I'm going to work on tomorrow? Have a list of things that you want to do for tomorrow. So many people, so many women rely on external stimuli. It's almost as if the calling card for us is external validation. We feel validated if we are with a man or we are on a man's arm. And if, if you're 52 and he left you for a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old, then you feel as if you're no longer validated because he took someone else. That's his problem. That's more a reflection of him than it is of you. And if you can't find someone else to be on someone's arm, there are armloads of things that you can do, armloads of projects that you can do that can be equally fulfilling. In other words, change your mindset. We place way too much validation on other people, on other people validating our existence. How about just being self-validated? I am a human being and I am here. Do you know what I found? A woman who is confident and conscious of who she is is the most dangerous female on the planet. That's the one nobody wants because they're afraid of her because she's powerful. She's powerful because she's empowered. She does not rely on anyone else's validation to affirm her existence. That female is the most powerful. I don't have to look like anyone to be me. I, I was created in my way. This is the way that I was created. I'm fine. I don't need you to validate my existence that I'm human. And if it happens, it happens. But if it doesn't, I'm not going to crawl up in a ball and roll under a bed and pull out a bottle at night to say, oh, my God, woe is me. No. We need to find better ways to cope. And one of the, well, the things that I've noticed about the well-being movement, it has not addressed this part of our lives. It tells us to eat and drink green stuff and all kinds of horrible tasting things that make us vomit and stuff that still didn't stop the cancer from afflicting our bodies, but it never told us about self-affirmation and validation. Women today are still being validated. You know one of the common ways? Is dress size. I know that because I've been afflicted with that for years. I've, I, I, I mean, it took a heck of a lot to not eat, to stay a size two. A few years ago, I said, quit. I can't be bothered. I'm hungry all the time and irritable. I have to eat. And I'm happy. You don't like it? That's your problem. I'm, as long as my doctor and my health care is good, then tough luck to you. And I have to say that there is this body mass index is full of baloney. They need to quit it. A woman like me who has a bust, my body mass index is going to read higher because when they measure it around, I have bust, I have boobs. They need to cut it out. So women now, look at ourselves and we have to look androgynous almost. You have to look like a male, a male body with just breasts on top of you, narrow hips, no butt, no waistline. So you don't look like a woman. You look like a man. You just have boobs on. And that's the image that they're telling men that that's what a woman looks like. 
this androgynous female that it could be a man or a woman. It, it, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want it to be, it's an option. So women chase that image. And how a lot of women stay thin is by, you know it, drinking. They use drugs and drinking to stay thin because it's empty calories. They're hungry. They take a drink. They drink a glass of wine. The calories are less. They drink a glass of wine with lunch. Then it becomes two glasses to stave off hunger. And then they go home and they drink so they won't eat until drinking becomes a habit that cannot be broken and it leads to complications later because they don't want to gain weight. Because the society marginalizes women and say you have to fit into a certain dress size. A woman who has had children, born children, a woman in middle age, in her 50s and late and 40s, right, who comes stacked like a woman, but she has to fit into what society dictates. Those are homosexual men who don't like women in the first place. So they're never going to enjoy a woman's body. So what does it matter what you look like? But that's the image that they portray, and that's what we ascribe to. Again, we're looking at external stimuli. So women drink to stay slender. It's not unusual in the modeling world, for instance, for people to take diabetic drugs to stay slim so they won't eat. Did you know that? A lot of models inject themselves with insulin so they won't get, they won't get hungry. A lot of very wealthy people eat desserts and take diabetic pills have their doctors write them diabetic pills so they will not eat just to stay a size two. Size four is obese. Just look at Hollywood. Size four is obese. Size six is obese. Size eight, you're off the Richter scale. You're up, you're more, that's morbid obesity. Hey. Speaking the truth here, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Think about that. So people drink, and the end result of it is that people are dying because they drink for various reasons. And a lot of it is conformity. Separate and apart from numbing the pain out and trying to cope, a lot of it is conformity. You'd be surprised how women at the upper echelon of society, how frequently they drink. Sometimes they're stone cold drunk in the morning. They can't wake up in the morning. Stone cold drunk because they got to fit into that size two and that size zero. That's what is acceptable. My thing is go do lipo (laughs) if it's that meaningful. But how do you maintain it? You can exercise all you want. Your body, if you eat, you're going to get hungry and you're going to eat. Right? So society has imposed all these unnatural expectations on women. Men don't have that. Hence the reason why you see a lot of men walking around with bellies. There's no societal uh, expectation or societal pressure for them to stay slender or to do workout or so on. No, they do whatever they want to do, and nobody says anything. We all know that guy who is Chub Chub Nation, but he's still a CEO. He's still a vice president. He's still in the C-suite. He's still in the C-suite. He's still head of the foundation. Right? Hey, happy 2020. Right? He's still in the C-suite. But a woman who looks like him, she's ostracized and vilified and made fun of by women and men. The societal expectations for women to conform to a certain image is wicked and rabid. And I dare say it has led to a number of people drinking more than they should. As for me, you don't like me how I look? Well, you know what to do because I'm not begging you for acceptance. I'm not asking for your validation. Now, I'm going to do my best to maintain my health. But that's your problem if you think that I should look like that. 
I'm not going there with that because I'm not going to drink and I'm not going to take drugs to keep a certain figure and a certain size to suit you. I'm going to show up exactly as who I am and exactly what I am. Because we go through different stages in life, at different stages of our life, different environmental things impact our bodies differently. A woman who has had children. I see all these young mothers running around with, it's so unnatural to me. They're two and three children, and they, they're a size two. And they look absolutely miserable. I dare say some of them might be sick. I'm like, girl, you need a drink. You need, you, you need to go drink some, a milkshake or a sandwich, a, a six-inch Subway ASAP. Unnatural expectation, societal pressure. And I've heard them say that if they don't do that, their husbands will leave them because he's probably doing the secretary. I'm like, well, you kind of were the one who broke up the first marriage, so I guess karma comes back around. I'm just saying. Because you thought that his first wife was just lazy, then you had children, you grew up, and you started having children and realized this was a real fight. Societal pressure. Where did this body image thing come from? Who perpetuated it? Who placed this unnatural expectation on women for us to conform to a certain look that is killing us? Who did that? Where did that come from? That's what I want to know. Where did that come from? So now women are drinking themselves into oblivion because they don't have a choice. And I, I, I am saying it's time to put the bottle down. I see women go out to lunch in the middle of the workday. They're going out to lunch in the middle of the workday, and they're having a glass of wine in the middle of the workday. And I'm like, girl, aren't you going back to work? You know what she's doing? Trying to not eat too much. After work, especially in our fast-paced divorce culture, people go head down to the bar, especially if it's that time of the week when the kids are being picked up by the other parents. They head down to the bar to go numb your pain out. And they drink and go home by 9 o'clock so that they can be functional for work tomorrow. There are a lot of people who are functional alcoholics. They go to drink. They go home by 9 o'clock. And you can tell a lot of people use eye drops to take the red out of their eyes. But if you're really staring their eyes, you can see the blood vessels in the whites of their eyes. You can see the jaundice taking over their liver with a pale yellow coating on their eyes. Their liver are damaged from drinking. It's slow. Alcoholism is a disease, y'all. It's slow. And it takes effect, and it, it, it spreads like tentacles all over your body, slowing down your mechanics and your motorism. And you don't even realize what is going on. We need to put the bottle down. Put the bottle down, ladies. We need to put the bottle down. There are different ways to cope. I know we have issues. I've been there. I've been divorced, abandoned, name it, it's happened. I've been there. And when I say there are other ways to cope that have long-term health benefits, trust me, I just didn't do the drugs or the drinking. I didn't think it was going to help me to deal with the stuff that I had to deal with. And that's it. Put the bottles down. But as I close today, I want you to reflect that in, since 1999, between 1999 and 2017, Death from alcohol increased 85% among women. We need to do something about that. That's alarming. So when next we go out this weekend, today's Thursday, we start hanging out Thursday evening and Friday. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm asking all of us, what's your friends, your sister girl, your girlfriend, your friend from way back, your coworker, your BFF, your confidants, encourage them to put that bottle down and put that glass down. Drink some water. Have a club soda. Anybody remembers what a club I don't even know if they sell it anymore. <laughs> right? Have a club soda. Put the bottle down. And ladies, for the love of God, don't do the social thing. 
where you have one drink or no drink in front of everyone, but when you go home, you sneak a whole bottle of wine into your bedroom and close the door. Put that bottle down. Don't just hide it under the sink. Right? Put the bottle down. Thank you so much for joining me, everybody. Remember to join me on my next broadcast tomorrow at same time, same place. Thank you so much for being a part of my experience today. This is Harriet Kenneth with Down to Earth. Remember to go to my page on Anchor FM and become a supporter and a subscriber. You can always listen to more episodes of Down to Earth on Breaker, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere that is your favorite podcast platform. I thank you so much for being a part of our experience. Follow me on Twitter as well as on Facebook, and I'm on Instagram as Harriet Kemmett. Leave your comments below our podcast so we know how you feel and what you're thinking and how these stories are impacting your life as much as it impacts mine. Trust me, the stories I talk about leave an impact on me just as well. Thank you, everyone. Can we take care of ourselves? Can we just promise? Promise yourself to love you and to take care of you no matter what. Can we just say that to ourselves? I promise that I love me and I am going to take care of me no matter what. Can we just say that and just mean that truly from a deep place within ourselves, that we love myself, we love ourselves so much. We're not going to do drugs and we're not going to drink or do anything that is harmful to us. Thank you so much. Be blessed, everybody. This is Harriet Kemmerk with Down to Earth. Remember to stay down to earth. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.